Welcome back. It's time for Customers Who Click, the e-commerce podcast for brands looking for their next growth opportunities. If you're interested in improving your conversion rates, average order values, and customer lifetime value, head over to customerswhoclick.com where you can find all our previous episodes and get in touch if you'd like to learn more. An incredible brand guest joining me today, Christian Hansen, founder of Slow Jeans, joins me to talk about how they stumbled across a problem and spoke to tens of thousands of people to figure out how to fix it. The best products are created out of genuine problems, and Christian definitely found one here. Today, you'll hear how Slow Jeans grew via TikTok, customer research, and just focusing on having an incredible product. Let's get Christian on now. Hi, Christian. Thanks for joining me today. Would you mind just introducing yourself? Give us a little bit of your background and how you've got to where you are today. Sure. Yeah, my, my name is Christian Hansen. I'm the founder at Slow, and I'm also a social media personality, air quotes, yeah, I've been kind of a serial entrepreneur since I was a teenager and just kind of jumping from one project to the next. I landed in the fashion industry, recognized that there were some problems and Slow was born. Awesome. So how do you get customers clicking? What was that, I guess, that problem that you noticed? It was an accident, really. In terms of how we get them clicking, my answer to that would be organically. That's our big driving force is organic growth. But it happened by accident. I, I walked into a thrift shop a few years ago and I bought a pair of jeans and they turned out to be women's jeans. And I didn't realize it at the time. And I walked, so I went home, I put them on and I realized that they were, that, that they didn't have any pockets. And so I posted it on TikTok and I just said, Hey, ladies of the world, is this what you deal with and why? And hundreds of thousands of people responded and said, Yeah, this is what we deal with. It's horrible. And I said, Well, what if I fixed it? And that was the beginning of slow. And it was as simple as people wanted pockets. They weren't getting pockets. And it just, we started a feedback loop and we tried to build a product that people wanted. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, it's kind of the best way to do it, isn't it? Find out what people actually want and then build that for them. So, I mean, was it just the pockets or like, you know, where have things gone since then? When was this? Sorry, how long so this was like about a year and a half ago now. It started with Pockets. Okay. Pockets was kind of the conversation starter. And then I just, I built a really simple form on a, just a really cheap Wix site. And I just said, hey, if you have any ideas, go and fill up my form. And this was right in the middle of kind of back-to-back viral videos. And we ended up having about 700,000 suggestions. And I wish that was oh, exaggerating. Wow. I, I literally had to build a data scraper to even try and pick out keywords because there was just so many, we couldn't even go through them all. And so it started with pockets and then it got into quality and fit and just basically frustrations that people were having with fashion as a whole. We started talking about jeans and we ended up creating this huge roadmap of there's problems with more than just jeans. It's coats and jackets and winter wear and bras and insert anything that essentially is on the mass market people have an opinion on it. And so we just saw this really great opportunity to ask people what they thought. And we just basically built the project off of those suggestions. Yeah, amazing. I mean, yeah, really is. So how'd you create that feedback loop? I mean, you mentioned 700,000 responses that quickly. But how do you continue gathering that feedback as well? Like, how do you make sure there's that constant feedback loop? Yeah, for us, it was kind of trying to democratize the process in the sense of showing people that we were listening. In the early days around that time, I was spending like six, seven hours a day responding to comments. People would write like a really long comment and we wanted to make sure that we responded to them. If they wrote me an email directly, I would respond to their email. And so keeping the feedback loop healthy to me was really important and trying to make sure that people felt like they were being heard. 
And so we just turn that into content like, okay, 10,000 of you have asked for this and 10,000 of you have asked for that. Which one do we go with? And we basically, we built our prototype off of basically playing this or that with our community and uh, trying to end up with the uh, the ultimate winner per se. Yes, yeah, so just keep going back and keep very much involved. But do you have a do you have a kind of VIP community that you go back to constantly, or is it just this massive? You're just pretty open with it. Like post it on TikTok, put a link, and see a response. A bit of both. We have what we call like our lighthouse customers. Our first roughly 3,500 or so people that purchased from our first launch, they stuck through us with through all the growing pains and all the early nightmares. And so they're the ones that we go to for the most kind of in-depth conversations. But we post to anybody and everybody, anyone who has an opinion and anyone wants to tell us what they think, let us know. And so that's kind of really been one of the most powerful things is whether you just want to leave a comment and tell us what you think or whether you want to fill in a form or whether you want to have a, a conversation with me, send me an email. But we've tried to keep those lines really open. And as a result, I believe that people really do feel like we hear them and they do feel like they could see their suggestions in our products. Yeah, absolutely. People want to know that it's not not just gathering feedback and then you don't hear anything of it. Nothing seems to happen. If you're seeing those changes happen because of customer feedback, even if it's not necessarily yours, exactly, you feel good towards that company. Are your products, is it women's only? No. So we're, we actually don't gender the product because we basically work on measurements. We have a size set that's about three times larger than the average size set. And so it doesn't really matter. We don't need to create just men's patterns and women's patterns. You give us the measurements that we need, which is basically waist, hips, length, thighs, and it doesn't matter. It's basically the same thing as a, the tailor would be used to create, say, a suit. So we take that those measurements, we match them to our size set, and then we basically create those jeans for the people made to order. Okay, yes, that makes it easy. So I suppose that means you don't have to worry about wondering whether someone's male or female when they give their feedback. Exactly. Yeah. And we've tried to eliminate that in fashion, especially with kind of the direction that the world is going and that the industry is going. I don't particularly care and I don't think that we should gatekeep particular styles or fashions for one gender or the other. I just want to make you pants that fit and last and are sustainable and that you enjoy and I don't really care how you identify or who you are. Yeah, it's fair enough. So how do you go about using the feedback? I guess like across the business, maybe not just necessarily the actual product itself, although let's definitely go into that. But yeah, like I guess what other touch points does the does this feedback cover as well and help you? Yeah, I mean, it's really paving our roadmap in every sense of the word. We, from our fundraising rounds all the way through what our future collections are going to look like, we've got, we've got an idea of, okay, we have this group of roughly about 120,000 people who have signed up for either our wait list or have given us some sort of email feedback and have signed up to basically receive emails from us. We have this community of people. And the question is just, consistently, how do we serve that group of people to the best of our ability? And so we have all of this feedback and how do we basically get it to line up so that, okay, this month we're going to launch this, which these 10,000 people have asked for, and then that's going to segue into this next launch and so on and so forth. And so beyond just product ideas and product feedback, what we've really been able to do is look at it and go, hey, okay, investors, Look at all this feedback we've received. We already have traction. We already have market demand as a result of these people telling us that they literally want this. This is what we're going to do yeah. in the future. Do you want to invest in this project? And so that feedback loop has created and sustained everything to do with our company and our startup. And it's probably the strongest part of our pitch by far. 
Yeah, exactly. So you've got that community, right? You're not just saying we've got 10,000 people on an email list who've said they, they would like to buy at some point. It's actually people saying, this is what I want from a product. And if you've shown that kind of uh, that history of making these tweaks and changes and and developing based on that, that that's going to be a good sign. How do you determine like, what to do next? Because I imagine, well, especially with 700,000 bits of feedback initially, you must come up with a lot of ideas on what to do or if not ideas, literally like people saying, this isn't great. Can you fix this, please? Yeah. How, like, how do you decide how to do that? Like, how big is the team managing this as well? We're a team of six people, strong and small. And it's it's really been about how do we fix the foundational problems first? We've really only been going for, been operational for about eight months. It's relatively new. We've managed to do about three launches in that time. We've sold just about 10,000 pairs as a result. So it's been very fast, but right now we're still solving foundational problems. Manufacturing right now is our biggest issue. We are a slow fashion system existing in a fast fashion world, and it's created headaches and it's created delays that we never thought would, would happen and that aren't scalable. And so what we've been doing for the last year is 100% not scalable. But what it's done is it's paved the path forward to us being able to create a foundation, create a plan moving forward that is scalable. And so using that community, we actually stopped posting on TikTok about three or four months ago to focus exclusively on the community that we already had and the people that we already had and just said, look, we're going to get this right with all of you. And then we're basically going to open this up because we were just getting too many people. We were having too many people telling us what they wanted, too many people coming in every day and with a different set of expectations that we couldn't keep up. And so really right now, our whole focus is foundational. We're building our own manufacturing facility. We're optimizing that manufacturing facility for our system. It's going to be able to help us take our size set up about a hundred sizes. We're going to be able to offer, we're going from about 4,000 unique variants right now that we can create. We'll go from about 4,000 to upwards of 1.1 million. And so that way we can continue to give people what they want, but we need to make sure that that base is just rock solid. Yeah, I suppose if you're doing everything off measurements and it's made to order, you, yeah, pretty much made to order. You you can do that, can't you? You can you can have that many variations. And so, have you like have you quite literally like closed the doors to people and said like like how have you managed that? Have you said like we're only taking on feedback from these people, or have you actually said only only people in are going to be able to be customers for now? until we're ready and then we will open the doors again. Have you kind of made it that exclusive club? We've kind, purely of, kind of done a bit of both. We always called our email list a wait list and that did create a sense of exclusivity. You can you know, always come and join us and so the door is still open and if people send me an email with feedback or ideas, I'm still going to reply to them and we're still going to basically take that feedback and, and note it. But we just kind of went a little bit dark on purpose. It was kind of uh, some people talk about the reddit kiss of death where all of a sudden you go from zero site traffic to a million in the same day and your site crashes we kind of had that but with orders and with demand and we sold out our first launch basically immediately and we were just not prepared for that level of demand and so i didn't want to bite off more than we could chew again and so we've basically just we've gone quiet but we're not shut down We're just focusing on fixing things that we can and working on building that foundation with the people that we already have. They're providing us fantastic feedback and patience, and we've improved the product 
so much from when we first launched eight months ago. We're on basically V3 of the product. And now we're at a point where I'm comfortable and confident and happy to launch this world. And so as much as I wanted to hit play on it in January and explode, patience has been the key. Well, it's, as long as people are aware you're still around, that's obviously crucial because if, if everyone thinks you have actually, the reason you've gone quiet is because you've gone, then you, you risk losing a bit of that traction, I suppose. But if it's almost like a doors are closed for now sort of thing, then or you've got all these people who might even just come back to the website every month or so just to see if they can get on that list and get in. But I suppose that all feeds into that fear of missing out. It helps with the almost like bespoke element of it. Absolutely. Right. And these all factors that combined are probably helping you maintain a good price point as well. Absolutely. I mean, right? Because you can say these are yeah. not only are they just great jeans, but they are or great pants, they are like bespoke to you and there's only a certain amount we will sell. So yeah, if you want to pay for them. Yeah. I the thing about the price is people think I'm insane pricing them where we are. I probably hear from people in the industry three or four times a week that I should be pricing three or four X from where we're at right now. We sell at $99 and I'll make you made to order jeans to your specifications for $99. Our nearest competitor in that bespoke category, especially we make them in Italy right now, you're looking at three, four, five, if not six, $700 a pair. And so our goal has always been built sustainably. And to me, sustainable means accessible. And if you don't have a product that people can afford, you're not sustainable. There's been sustainable fashion brands for 25 years, but a $400 t-shirt, that's not sustainable. And so that price point and that fear of missing out and that psychology, but also that affordability has been really at the core of our consumer psychology. And consumer psychology is like the foundation of everything that we're attempting to build moving into the future. Yes, it's an interesting one. So I think with jeans, you could get away with being more expensive, right? People want quality jeans. They're happy to pay for quality and they'd expect it to last longer. Personally, I don't get why you'd spend $400 on a t-shirt because I would expect to probably have to replace that t-shirt after about a year, maybe less, maybe more, depending on how it's used. But I see t-shirts as something that gets refreshed quite a lot more, whereas, yeah, the trousers or jeans i'd want them to i'd want them to last a good few years probably yeah agreed i mean it's definitely a big part of it it's been challenging to bridge the gap of doing that online that's probably been the biggest biggest hurdle it's never been really the price point it's the i'm buying pants online and that's never really been a good experience for me and a lot of people period don't like buying pants and i find that hilarious given the fact that we literally need them and everyone owns them but it's kind of a universally loathed experience where you go into a store and you know they're probably not going to fit or you're not going to like how they feel or no one's taken this really simple problem that is people don't like buying pants and tried to create a different system it's the same it's a mass standardized size set where they just create a bunch of them they throw them in a store shelf and they hope that the people that come in fit them it is exclusively based on hope and so we want to try and remove hope from the equation and basically take those founding principles that tailors and seamstresses used hundreds of years ago all the way through now when you go to a nice tailor shop in London or in Hong Kong or anywhere and like, wow, I get that tailored feel. Why can't we do that at scale? And that was really the core question that we asked ourselves. So it's been a back and forth on that. Yeah. 
Yeah, the reason I gave up on jeans was because I could, I just could never find any that fit comfortably. Right. And so I started buying from a company called Spoke okay. in over here that do more like chinos. I think they maybe do jeans now as well, but they fit really well, right? But the process, the buying process involved giving measurements. Okay. Yeah. And then they would say, we recommend this size. You buy them and yeah, they're great. Whereas, I don't know if it's an issue over in the States as well, but here it's quite well known that one company will say their jeans are a medium and they will still be a different size to another medium. Or even like they might have the me- certain measurements on them. So here we use waist and length, right? So, but that doesn't account for other measurements, as I'm sure you're well aware. Absolutely. Right. So you two, two pairs of jeans that seem to be the same measurements from different brands still fit differently. And it just gets frustrating. Whereas a t-shirt, again, going back to that example, you can buy t-shirt from like 10 different brands at probably 10 different price points. The size will probably always fit you. It will just, it just fits a little different, but you're probably never going to be too upset with it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, jeans are the problem. No, it's fit. Fit is everything. I mean, people want to be comfortable and you're only going to wear something that you feel comfortable in. And yeah, I mean, I have over 500 pairs of jeans. I've bought every single brand that I can get my hands on to figure out what they're doing and how we can do it better. And I did one day, I basically took them all into our workshop and I took 15 jeans that were all supposed to be the same size and all 15 of them were different and they were all labeled the same and they're all completely different and the ratios were completely different. And so, yeah, it's a huge issue here. And the big kind of marketing play right now and the really challenging thing about the North American market and I think you know globally now is I think that Amazon Prime has really ruined fashion and people will say what do you mean by that and I think it's the idea of the Amazon Prime mentality of fast fashion brands have really used that but everyone wants things fast they want it instantly but the reality is they're then unhappy with the standardization of it and so it's a double-edged sword they don't want standardization but they also want it immediately And so what we're trying to figure out is how we can kind of deprogram people to look, if you want the fit, if you want the quality, if you want the personalization, give me a few weeks and I'll make them for you. And we're starting to see people who they're like, I was completely skeptical about this, but I waited and I got them and I'm in love with them. And so we're hoping that over time we can really shift that consumer psychology to it's worth waiting for quality. Why go and buy something off of the rack for $100 when I can wait a few weeks and for $100, I can get something that's made specifically to me, specifically how I want it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it it depends on the products a bit, doesn't it? If there's something that I want and need now, I'm going to Amazon it right? because I can have it tomorrow. But with something like jeans, it's rare that I'm going to need them right now unless I'm about to go on holiday and I've suddenly realized I don't have any or something like that. It's rare that I would desperately need them that quickly. If I did, I'm probably going to go to shops, try them on, be disappointed. And if it's me, give up after 20 minutes and go to the pub or something. But yeah, I, yeah. But I get the whole point about there's so much free shipping, free next day shipping, have the products with you tomorrow that if you've got a lead time of six weeks compared to someone who can do it in three days, You've really got to focus on that. Why is it worth it? What, was, what is the lead time at the moment? Our lead time right now, I mean, if we take it over averages, I mean, in terms of our manufacturing issues at the beginning, we were like eight to 10 weeks and it was it's supposed to be four weeks. Moving forward now with our own factory, the aim is 21 days. And so basically okay. 
I think that's a comfortable medium from the feedback that we've asked from people and trying to figure it out. That way, if we're a little bit over, we're still sub 30. And if we're a little bit faster, great. But yeah, 21 days is the hope. And that would just be for completely crafted to you bespoke. And then we also will have ready to wear so that we can get that to you in about seven days. Oh, okay. So the, the ready to wear, like how many, I think you mentioned this into my, on our previous call, like how many variants do you have so that you can get someone, something to someone that's ready to wear, but also takes into account like measurements and, and gets them something that you know, you're happy to sell them, I suppose. Yeah. So the size set will be the same. So we will, we have about 150 sizes that we're working on, which take into consideration all different types of bodies and ratios. So for more of a quote unquote men's cut where men, their hips and their waist are relatively the same size or quite boxy, that would be, let's just call it like type A. And we would have every single waist measurement required in that type. And then for women that have say much larger hips to waist ratio, we would also have a size for them. So our ready to wear is it's less about the size and the fit. We'll still get you your size and your fit. You're just not going to be able to choose things like what thread color do you want? And do you want them embroidered? And what buttons color do you want? And so really the core of our like bespoke experience is you can choose anything. You tell me what color you want your back patch. I can put your name in them. I can pick, I can pick and choose based on what you want. Already to wear side will just be, hey, here's the same jeans, fantastic fit. We have one, we do it in one fabric. If you want to choose your fabric, if you want to choose those other things, we have this other experience available. Right. I guess it's more like a personalization piece for the bespoke where, yeah, someone could say, I want this color, that color. Exactly. I want this. Yeah. I want my initials on it. Exactly. That's sort of like extras. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. And like how, because obviously another issue people have, same with shoes as well, is actually measuring properly. So, like, do you do anything to help with that at the moment or is it kind of a standard, like, here are some instructions, like detailed instructions? The great thing obviously, is we collect you know, about 90% roughly, about nine out of every 10 people, they use our 3D sizing application. And so they come onto our website using a smartphone. We take two photos. We need a front-facing photo and a side-facing photo. And I can collect 90 measurements from that. And we've got, we're over 95% accurate on those measurements. And so it takes that, it basically matches you to a size immediately. And then we put that size into production for you. Okay. Yeah. So that, that makes it nice, easy. Yeah, it's kind of where I was going with it. Like, do you guys use an app to make it easy or did you have people some, just send photos or, or actually do some measurements themselves? Like, if, yeah. Given how many people have got a smartphone these days. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing now too with the new smartphones with the LiDAR sensors and basically they've got built-in measuring applications now. And so the they're just every time a new iPhone comes out or a new Samsung or anything, the results just get more accurate. And we can see it in our data just over like the last year and a half. It's getting more and more accurate with the technology and it's been really great. So I think it's going to continue to become more of the norm where you can take a photo and instantly we can fit clothes to your body. Uh, I think it's going to be really good for the industry, I hope. Yeah, yeah, hopefully. So do you use a lot of this feedback and stuff in your in like advertising and marketing messaging as well? Yeah, we've never run an ad. So that side of things, oh. I'm not entirely the best person to speak to. We're very proud of our 100% organic build, zero, $0 ad spend, basically seven figures of revenue. And that's something that I was really trying to do from the beginning was how do we build this base community completely organically? How do we use that base community to create this massive feedback loop? And then how do we use that feedback loop to build the scalable version of what we're doing now so that when we do want to put ad dollars behind things, it's ready to go. 
And so moving forward, absolutely though, we've got a bunch of ad campaigns where right now what we're doing is we're building this size set with people and they're giving us their feedback. They're telling us what genes they like, what they don't like. And I'm going to make about 150 different people genes and people like yourself who I've given up on genes because they don't fit me. And I'm going to make them genes that fit them. And we're going to use that UGC and we're going to use that feedback and we're going to create ads out of those. This is a person who gave up on genes. We've made them genes. They love them. Yeah. Yeah. That's like the perfect ads, isn't it? Like, especially if someone say like, I got so fed up buying different pairs of jeans and none of them ever fit or trying on jeans and no one ever, none of them fit. So I gave up, I haven't worn jeans for like 10, 15 years, but then this came along and it's perfect. Exactly. Yeah. And so we plan on creating about 150 versions of that with people of all walks of life, all shapes and sizes. We've got people who are seven foot basketball players. I've got guys who are linebackers for NFL football teams guys who just should not really be wearing denim technically it's just it's yeah. just okay well why would you wear denim just wear something stretchy no i want to put them in denim and i won't put them in denim that's going to make them look really good and so we hope that with that campaign with both people's words and like you're saying here's my anecdote but at the same time looking at it like that guy's seven feet tall and you put him in jeans i think you can put me in jeans yeah well, i suppose just seeing the variety as well would make you pretty pretty comfortable Fingers crossed. I mean, our size set right now, I believe, and if numbers are accurate, I hope they're accurate. I, math wasn't my strong suit, but I've got people who are. We believe that we can outfit about 99% of the population with our current size set within a couple of centimeters of a tailored fit. And so anything, any measurements that come to us, we're ready for it. And we're basically going to try and create that perfect fit. Awesome. I'm guessing you haven't thought of international expansion yet. Oh, we've shipped a little, little way on four countries so far. Oh, really? Okay. All right. So you're not just stuck with the US. No. So anywhere you want, we'll ship them to you. That's We've just tried to say like, look, prices in US dollars and there's going to be some shipping costs. But if you want in, we'll we'll ship them to you. No problem. You do. But yeah, absolutely. The With the expansion into our own manufacturing facility, we're also going to open up our own dispatch center within the factory. And so we're going to basically have a direct-to-factory model where the orders are received, they're created, and they're dispatched from the same factory floor. And so from there, international will be huge, especially right now, we're also looking at retail. And so retail opportunities largely in Europe and China. And so we'll start there and go from there. So uh, I don't know if you want to go into this too much, but like retail, when you've got like, couple of hundred variants yeah must be quite difficult right because i can't imagine many retailers would want to stock 200 different sizes the great part is we'll have no stock and what we've designed is if you've ever been to like a mcdonald's and you've seen us like one of those self-service machines i've created basically a concept that we've been pitching these different companies where you say look have a size set in your store i'm going to send you just one of every single size and we want to put one of these machines up. You can see all the fabrics. You can see all of the trims. You can see everything in one place. The machine will have a 4K camera to be able to take your measurements. You can go there and you can build your jeans in store. You can pay at the kiosk. You can try the size that you've been assigned. And the factory will basically just receive that order automatically. And so for the retail space, we just give them a flat rate commission. For us, we're just consistently receiving orders directly to the factory. And to the consumer, we'll ship to their home in 21 days. That's pretty cool. It's like a drop shipping model. Sort of, yeah. I suppose, in a way, yeah. 
Yeah, that's pretty cool. I think that people want an experience now. And I think we are going to start to see a bit of a paradigm shift and a bit of an ideology shift away from fast fashion, especially as people continue to get more and more concerned with the environmental impacts and the humanitarian impacts. And I think people look at the price point and they'll say, why would I go and buy $65 Zara jeans when I can go and buy $99 slow jeans and I can have them made to me. I can put my name in them. I can do whatever I want with them. And just because that experience is new, we will get that rush of new people. And then it's up to us to try and retain them. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, it's if you can pay a little bit more and get something you think is going to be much, much better, people are happy to do that. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. I, I get, and you were talking about this before with the accessibility, right? I get if it was the choice of $69 jeans or $400 jeans, that's when a lot of people are going to say, well, I, they, I just can't afford the $400 jeans, so it's not an option. But an extra, what, 50% on top? Yeah. 40, 50% at, at that level, I think a lot more people would be happy to stretch to get there. I agree. And I think also there's the ideology right now that I think people are starting to see because they're living it, which is the, I have to buy a pair of fast fashion jeans every three or four months because they're made of polyester and they tear and I rip them down the middle or they just start to look horrible. And so I'm spending 50 or $60 or pounds every three or four months. And so over the course of a year, I'm spending about $200 to replace my jeans or I can buy one pair once that's built to last me for five years. And I think you yeah. are starting to see consumers see that and go, okay, well, I'm spending a lot of money on things that I'm disposing of. And so it's kind of a lot of different ideological shifts stacked on top of each other. And so we're hoping that we attract different crowds of people for those different pain points, but we just tried to kind of have different options available for everybody per se. Yeah, different messaging would work with different people, right? So I've got renewable or reusable water bottles. Yep. And for some people, it's going to be the environmental piece of not having to buy single-use plastics each time. And for other people, it's going to be that cost thing of, I don't want to buy a two-liter bottle of water for every single day yep. because it costs me a few hundred dollars every year exactly. when I can just buy one bottle and... I mean, yeah, here, tap water is absolutely fine. Yeah. So no one's really got an issue drinking that. Yeah. Yeah, cool. So just before we finish up, if you could pick the brain of anyone in the like e-commerce world, who would it be? In the e-com world, that's tricky. Kind of in the business world period, probably Peter Thiel, I think, would be my guy. I've read his book so many times. Uh, he's got such a unique perspective on like, kind of how to drive value with business. And I think they're foundational business standpoints and pillars that you could take via e-commerce or in a retail space or just anywhere from startup philosophy. But I would love to pick his brain on a few things because I've read that book so many times. I've highlighted things and, and be like, how would you do this with my model? And I would love to know. So yeah, that's definitely a dream conversation in business. Yeah, it's an interesting one. He's not come up before. That's a good one. Finally, if you've got one final piece of advice for either, I guess, anyone running a brand or anyone who's thinking of starting one. Yeah, the same one that I think I, I was given a couple of years ago that I think changed my entire life, which is just, you're not boring, post on TikTok. And it's the idea of so many people, I think they believe that they have to be this personality, that they have to be this filmmaker, that they have to have editing capabilities, or they all one day will expand into that. No, look, there are people out there that think what you're doing is cool. 
And it took me a long time to figure that out. But simply getting out of your bed in the morning, making yourself a cup of coffee, sitting down at your desk, opening up your email, and then talking about what you do and how you're passionate about it, that is really cool to people. And that's the type of content that people want now. And you'll be surprised. You'll make that video. You'll be like, this is really bad. You'll post it and you'll get 300, 400,000 views. And so really the leap of faith is a thing that I think a lot of people just need to take. And then don't be disappointed if the first 10 or 20 don't work, just keep going. But just take that leap. You don't need to be a filmmaker. Just start making content. People want to hear from you. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm on LinkedIn every day, twice a day now. And it's been a long journey, but that graph is going up and up yep. right? every day. I'm seeing the impact of doing it every day, obviously trying to improve. But I think, I think too many people want that, like that viral hit immediately. Yeah. And then, and expect that to be job done. No, totally. It, it know, took me like, it's 111 videos to get a viral one. And I made horrible TikToks just mostly for my friends and just as a joke. And I was in COVID lockdown, but exactly. Everyone wants that first post, huge numbers. Your first post is going to get like 30 views and that's okay. Mr. Beast actually, you know, the YouTuber, he just did a fantastic interview about that. And he said, look, if everyone who wanted to be a YouTuber just said, look, I'm going to take an average of what I'm going to do over a hundred videos, rather than looking at the success from video to video, there would be a lot more successful YouTubers and people will make like 20 or 30 of them. They'll pour their heart into them. They don't do well and they quit. And, you know, yeah. exactly like you're saying, LinkedIn and these different platforms, they take years, but once you're there and TikTok's great because it doesn't always take years, but just do it and, you know, it'll happen. Well, I think it's something like 90% of podcasts don't make it past three episodes. Doesn't surprise well, me. Yeah. It's nothing. I launched with three episodes. Wow. Yeah. To get this going. Yeah. Right? yeah. Yeah. It's just, why would you go to all the effort of planning it all, putting some creative together, and then you give up after three? Agreed. Doesn't make sense. Agreed. But anyway, at this amazing, great, uh, yeah, great hearing from you. If anyone wants to reach out and find out more or, or ask about the products, what's the best way of doing that? All my contact information, everything is on our website. So it's just slowgenes, S L O genes.co.co. You can find basically everything there my, my TikTok, my socials, my email, reach out or on LinkedIn. Christian Hansen. And yeah, please feel free to reach out. Always happy to have a chat. Awesome. All right. Thank you so much, Christian. Great. Thanks for your time. Well, appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Sizing is probably the number one problem for consumers when trying to buy fashion or footwear. There's no standardized sizing. Sizing info is vague with no real explanation. And so in most cases, customers buy more than what they need and they just send back what they don't want. If you can do what Christian's doing, make your sizing super granular. So there's an option for everyone. If you can't, then do whatever you can to make sure people understand your sizing, feel confident in their purchase and get what they want. If you'd like to hear more from Christian, you can find him on LinkedIn. Any other podcast questions, feedback or guest requests, please send them over to will at customerswhoclick.com or DM me on LinkedIn. Next up, I've got Ethan Denny joining me. We're going to be talking about e-commerce funnels. But until then, keep those customers clicking.